0: along, despite being a student and mornings not being my thing, somehow I managed to drag myself to their early morning prayer meeting on a Tuesday. So 7am it started, so you can imagine what time I needed to wake up and leave home. I'm really not a morning person. So it was a miracle that I was there. But why was it that I was motivated to get up at that time in the morning and pray? Why would anyone come to a prayer meeting? Well, There was a clue in the words that the um, guy who used to lead most of those meetings, a guy called Jeremy Jennings, he used to use at the end of every prayer meeting, um, he'd have this kind of formula, he said, we'd be heartbroken if he didn't say it, it was just his mantra, and he used to say at the end of the prayer meeting, he used to say, thank you for praying, you've made a difference, breakfast is served. Now, you might think, student, it was the breakfast that motivated him to get there in the morning and pray. Um, and, of course, that, that did help get me out of bed, knowing that there'd be some crassels and coffee at the end. But I like to think, actually, the thing that really motivated me to go there is because every week I saw our prayers making a difference. Our prayers being answered. Surely the number one motivator to pray, and there'll be all sorts, but if it's not Andy Murray and Liverpool football, it might be something more serious. It might be an illness or crisis um, in life that motivates you to pray. I know that has me in the past. uh, But whatever, uh, I expect the main thing that motivates us to pray is answers to prayer. But then also uh, the, the other side of that is the thing that probably demotivates us the most is times when our prayers don't seem to get answered. And last week we started looking at this subject of the hurt of unanswered prayer, didn't we? Um, Prudence spoke here, I was over at St. Albans in the morning. And uh, how it is that we follow that path of discipleship between knowing that the God that answers our prayers and of miracles, and the God sometimes of unmiracles who seems silent. And how is it we walk that path? We looked a little bit at that, at the hurt of that, the reality of that, the mystery of that. This week, we're, we're kind of looking at a similar thing. What, what is it that can get in the way of our prayer lives? What is it that can sometimes see our prayers not being answered? Uh, but we're, we're going through a little bit of a biblical kind of checklist as well. Because there are some things in Scripture that are highlighted time and again that just say, actually, if, if you haven't got this right, if you're not sorted there, if you're not if prayers are all focused on this and not that, then it might be that God won't answer those prayers. And so um, as we dive into that this morning... We do it in the context of, of grace, but also being open to a challenge. This isn't what we look at in a moment. is isn't a, a formula. It isn't like if you tick these boxes, your prayers are guaranteed to be answered. As we looked at last week, there's an element of mystery to this. And in a broken world, some prayers will seemingly not go answered until we reach that perfection with Christ. But it is probably also fair to say that it is unlikely that uh, all of our prayers are somehow wrong or off. Uh, and it's um, unlikely that our timing is always off on our prayers. So it, it must be, uh, and we know that God isn't off somewhere on sabbatical, like vicars tend to do. Um, but actually, the problem might not therefore be with God some of the time. If we're honest, it might be with us. And so these Bible passages, and we'll get, we've got about five Bible passages that some of you are bravely going to read in a moment, um, that are going to highlight some of these things for us. Now, the first one is actually just a lack of prayer, prayerlessness. So whoever's reading the first one, John chapter 16, would you be very brave? Jump up and read to us. In case you didn't hear that. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name, Jesus says. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. It might sound unbelievably obvious, but often I think the most common cause for not seeing prayers answered is we don't pray enough. We don't pray as much as we should. I don't know if you're guilty as I am at sometimes saying to people, oh, I'll pray for you on that. And then you forget. Actually, the business of life and tennis match or whatever it is, and you forget to pray. Um, I know I can be guilty on that. But I also know that sometimes times of uh, desperation, of hardship, will make it very clear that that I need God's help. So... some of you will know that a few months ago, Joy, our youngest daughter, was, was quite unwell for a few days. I know that some of you have dealt with sickness far bigger than she was. But she had to spend five days at, um, in the high dependency unit at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. No fun at all, as a dad, I can tell you. But I, I, I had to, at that time, t- there was quite a, it was quite a simple formula, really. It was like, okay, Joy's really unwell and Daddy can't fix it. But I know who can That motivated me to pray, and quite a lot, (laughs) quite a lot of the time, and and there might be things in your life where you know actually you've got that motivation, But, but maybe it's hard to keep going. I've had a prayer that I've been praying for years for my um, younger brother, Andy, who's got something called Sherman's disease in his back. Um, it's sort of increasingly debilitating. He's been in pain for 10 years of his life. And uh, it's looking like they've run out of options, non-surgical options. And it's looking like in uh, February of next year, at the moment, unless God heals him, um, that he's going to have to have fairly major surgery and a rod put in his back. He's younger than I am, he's got young kids, it might impact his life quite significantly. I've been praying for that situation um, without the answer that I'm hoping for so far um, yet. Uh, the way I try and remind myself though, because if you're anything like me, you can forget and you're weak, is actually I've, um, uh, there's a worship song that I latch prayers to him for, that we, pray, we sing quite regularly. And I just know that whenever I hear that song... It reminds me to pray for that situation and to pray for my brother. I, I wonder just—I just thought I'd mention that because I wonder whether that might help anyone here who, who knows that there's a thing that they they long to pray for, but they're forgetful, they're not as watchful as they'd like to be. Perhaps you could latch it to a particular thing in your life, or a particular worship song, or something. Just reminds you to pray for that thing on a regular basis. I think that's the first block often in um, our prayers. The way in. Um, Uh, Somebody once spoke to me about it. He said, your prayers are like stacking dominoes. And this is where some of the fun up here begins to make sense. Because I think if you have anything more than three points in a talk, and they don't begin with the same letter, I struggle to remember. But you might remember some of these. So the first thing is that someone said once, actually, our prayers can be like stacking dominoes. And you stack them up and you stack them up. And for ages, you don't see anything happen. Please, God, would you heal Andy's back? Please, God, would you have mercy on him and heal his back? And you stack them. And you hope and pray that one day, and actually there's an image similar to this in Revelation that talks about incense in bowls. Um, You can ask me about that later. So it's not completely unbiblical. Dominoes don't appear in the Bible. Bowls of incense do. Um, And um, he said, I don't think dominoes. Do to dominoes appear in the Bible? Not that I know of. Um, But the hope is you stack these dominoes and then one day, by the grace of God, the prayer is answered. I don't understand the mystery of that, but the helpful thing of this illustration is every prayer is important to God answering that prayer. And so we persist and we pray. And I, for my brother, I'm going to carry on praying until I know that it's not God's will to heal his back for some reason, I will keep praying that he will heal his back. Uh, And maybe um, we need to be challenged about that in our prayer lives as well. And we'd love to pray for people at the end. If you're you're struggling for the motivation, you've been disappointed in prayer, then we'd love to pray with you that God would fill you again with hope in those prayers and enable you to pray and carry on praying. The second thing that can be a block in our prayers and seeing our prayers answered is the contamination of sin, the divide of sin. Now, who's got number two? Isaiah chapter 59, Ben. Ben. Thank you, Ben. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, who um, which bright spark can work out which here is going to illustrate that point? Then maybe I'll need to say even less. Somebody say which one you think it is. Go on. The bear. Okay, so we have a divide here. The bear, forgive me, there's no blasphemy intended here and... Um, uh, I just needed to grab some stuff as I left home this morning. Baloo represents God. Baloo the bear represents God. And uh, you and I are Peppa Pig over here. Um, the parents know exactly what's going on here. Probably welling up and feeling this is very profound. Other people are like, what is he doing? Um, and this, uh, this giant Lego wall is the divide that our sin can bring in between us and God. And actually the next point we'll look at is between uh, ourselves and other people. It's why confession is such an important part of our prayer life as Christians so actually uh, we celebrated communion at the 9am this morning uh, confession is crucial because it makes sure that as we come into communion with god and celebrate what was done on the cross that we can have that relationship with god we need to deal with our sin And the stuff that can get in the way between us and God. Uh, We um, can get shy about confession. I was saying this a couple of weeks ago. But confession is the greatest gift that Christians have. Where else can you go with your sin and the mess you make with your life? Well, Christians have a place and a way to deal with that at the cross of Christ. That it might be taken away and that Baloo and Pepper and us and God may have relationship again. Forgive the analogy, but I bet you some of you remember Baloo and Pepper, even if you weren't going to remember anything else. So um, there you go. It's important we take our sin seriously and deal with it. Uh, we used to have a phrase uh, when I was looking for um, potential people to be leaders at, at, at the, student work, the student work that I helped lead once. And um, I used to ask them, uh, I used to say to them when I was asking them to be a leader, I said, look, we don't expect perfection. Of course, we don't expect perfection. None of us are perfect. But what I do expect in you that others might see is a pursuit of holiness. You're going to make mistakes. We'll back you. That's fine. You'll seek forgiveness. It'll be fine. But we do expect a trajectory that is after the holiness that God offers in Jesus Christ. We cannot accept you just being complacent with sin in an area of your life. That's a problem. So we'll walk with you. And we don't expect to be perfect, but we do expect a pursuit of holiness. And I want to challenge us um, this morning. Is there an area of your life that you would just rather not deal with? Something that you know isn't pleasing to God? If you ever wonder why you're struggling in your relationship with God, or you're not seeing your prayers answered, I have to be honest, the answer might be there. The Bible's quite consistent on this. Actually, if you're praying all these other prayers, but there's an area of sin in your life that you've just not dealt with, the only prayer you should be offering is one of confession to begin with, leaning on the grace of God. Second thing I've kind of, third thing I've already kind of hinted on, there's uh, making sure we're at peace with God, and there's making sure we're at peace with one another. Who's got number three, Matthew chapter five? Thank you, right at the back there. Brilliant. Thank you. This is um, Jesus speaking. And you can imagine the scene at the temple. He's seeing people come to offer their offerings to God, their sin offerings, and to pray to him. And he says, no. If you aren't at peace with your brother or sister, go home first. Make peace with them. Now, he knows, we don't, might not get this. I don't know how long it took you to get to church. But he knows that some of those people coming to offer their offering at the temple have walked days. To get there. So he's saying it is that important. Go home. Be at peace. With those that you know and love. If you're not. Before you come and try and pray to me. Again if there's a barrier between us. The illustration I remember hearing. A true story. Of an African archbishop. Who was off to a a stadium. National stadium to do this huge talk. To thousands of people. He was about to go. And just before he left home. He had a massive row with his wife. And uh, he says. I'm going to have to deal with this later, I've got all these thousands of people, the chauffeur's waiting outside, I've got to get in the car, I've got to go. Gets in the car, on the way to the stadium, he's praying a prayer, something like this, God, would you please be with me as I come to speak to all of these thousands of people? And uh, he just sends God saying no. And he said, no, 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 I've got thousands of people to do. I'm trying to do your work, would you please be with me? he's like, no, I'm back home with your wife if you want me to go with you to the stadium, you need to go first back home and make peace with your wife. So as inconvenient as it was, as late as he was, even for Africa time, um, the car was turned around, he went home, apologized to his wife, and then went on to preach. We need to make sure that not only that we're at peace with God, but that we're at peace with one another. It's why, hence again, In the sort of normal um, pattern of worship, say at a communion service like the nine o'clock we just had, there's a confession, but then there's also the peace. Make sure you're at peace with one another before you come to the Lord's table. It's really important. Next one. Wrong or selfish motives, dear Father Christmas prayers. I'll come on to that in a little bit. But who's got um, reading number four, James chapter four? When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This is what this is, what I term sometimes sort of Father Christmas prayers. Now, it's not that that God... um, doesn't care about our every, everyday lives and what's going on. Of course he doesn't. Uh, the Lord's Prayer says, give us today our daily bread, doesn't it? He does care. This is the extraordinary thing. We have a God who runs the universe, but he cares about your everyday lives. That's true. But if our prayers are so turned in on ourselves and our needs, so self-centered, God might well challenge us about those prayers. So um, how often if we're really honest with ourselves, will our prayers before we go to bed at night or whenever it is you pray, boil down to something like this. God, would you give me a comfortable life? Would you keep me from trial or tragedy or pain or anything that might really make me grow into the man or woman of God that you're calling me to be? Would you just give me a convenient, happy, satisfying, problem-free life? Now, none of us will pray that prayer. Of course we wouldn't. But I wonder if you took an audit of your prayers, how many are actually pointed towards yourself? I wonder how many are instead, the other way, charged by your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Let me be, respond to you as Lord of my life. What is it you want me to do that your kingdom would come? That's the kind of the flip side, isn't it? I'm... um, I'm really challenged by, uh, there's this prayer called the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. Uh, and um, it's a scary prayer. Don't pray it unless you've got some courage and you're willing to be the answer to it. But it goes a bit like this. It, it, as, as, a, as a way, an antidote of trying to turn our prayers from ourselves to your kingdom come and to the world. Just a little bit. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. Amen. You could hear a pin drop. Would we dare to pray a prayer like that? It sounds to me like that. Even as I say it, I kind of feel like God's saying, yeah, I'd say amen to that one. It's a scary prayer. But actually, I'd want to encourage you that it leads to Freedom to greater and greater freedom you see god actually knows that if he answers all of our prayers for comfort and for help with it and he actually knows that that might well lead to a path of spiritual death where we're just complacent and self-sufficient don't have any heart for him sometimes he knows that the tough times in our lives will throw us on him and mature us and grow us Uh, That's not an answer, not a formula for why we face tough times in our lives. It's not the complete answer. Of course it isn't. But don't expect God to answer all of your prayers if they're all about you. Partly linked to that, perhaps. Um, The next one. Hearing the cry of the poor. The last one. Who's got the Proverbs 21 reading? Brilliant. Thank you. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Time and time again, Scripture is quite clear. God's heart is so often found with the poor and the oppressed and the widow and the orphan and the broken and the lonely. That's where we find Jesus spending most of his ministry and time. And if the pattern of our lives is so not with them if we're honest, then we might not find that Jesus is with us either, because he's off doing that. And um, there's a challenge there, not to, uh, to have our priorities in the right order and to remember that. I, um, it's why I'm so pleased that an amazing, extraordinary answer to prayer with our fundraising recently... Uh, Some of you may or may not, some of you may not know, but we had a fundraising campaign recently and we set ourselves this ridiculous, ridiculous, ambitious target of trying to raise £200,000 in about, I think we had five weeks, towards the work that needs doing at St. Albans to bring it back to life. God answered those prayers in the most extraordinary way Uh, and through your generosity, which the Spirit stirred up. uh, We raised over £300,000 in those five weeks. I mean, that's just... Ridiculous. Uh, if that doesn't inspire faithful prayers for the future of St. Albans, I don't know what will. But um, I'm so pleased as well that the PCC said, and it was in all the, book, you know, in the sheets about it, that actually we're, we're going to tithe 10% of all the cash that we raise through this to projects overseas in places where they don't have a St. Albans or in Nepal where the church has just been knocked down by an earthquake or whatever it might be we haven't chosen the projects yet but just as we did at the end of the stonework restoration here at the end of that project we gave um, to needy projects abroad that's what we're going to do with this it just it feels like the right thing to do and I wonder what else God might challenge you to do in your everyday life because this is where the final thing comes in um, the remote control I don't know about you but Frighteningly often, I can watch something on the 10 o'clock news or whatever. It's really quite moving. But instead of pray about that need or those desperate people, I go, X factor. And I'm off onto the next thing. It's so easy to kind of see the pain and the suffering, not, not just on the TV and around the world, but on the street out there, as you go home, your lonely neighbor, and effectively just go and switch over to something else that's a bit more comfortable to think about. I think one of the challenges of Scripture is whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor or the lonely or the downtrodden or the broken or the hurting or the widow or the orphan will also cry out and not be answered. I wonder what it is that you could do. I wonder the next time you're watching the news or you walk down the street, you take a moment just to pray, God, God, how might I be a blessing in this situation? But Perhaps it's a need on the other side of the world and it's committing to pray for it before you switch channels. Perhaps it's making a choice each week to, to try and turn our hearts to expect to encounter and to minister to people who are in need. A small thing we did with students at HTB once is um, we gave them a, a five or a challenge week to carry five pounds in their wallet each week that they were going to use to bless someone else who needed a blessing. Not not just give them a fiver. I wouldn't recommend actually just giving money to someone who's homeless or whatever. But what it did is it wasn't really about the amount or five pounds. What it did is they went into the week looking to be a blessing to people in need. They had a five pound they wanted to get rid of. It was burning their pocket. I, I wonder what difference it would make in our community if we were people who, so to speak, had a fiver burning a hole in their pocket waiting to bless someone, to meet the need of someone in our community. Those are five potential blocks to prayer in our lives that we need to be honest with, we need to be real with, and we need to ask God's help with. Um, prayerlessness, praying more and persistently. I'm always inspired, last illustration, by a guy called D.L. Moody. Anyway, I had heard of the preacher D.L. Moody. He, he prayed for 100 of his friends and family people he knew, to come to faith in his lifetime, persistently prayed for them. You know, 96 did in his life, and the other four did at his funeral. God hears our prayers. And whatever discouragements we might have had, whatever uh, ways we might need to be challenged in our own lives to look at our own hearts, search me and know me, know my anxious ways, says the psalmist there's any offensive way in me expose it deal with it bring it into the light Uh, all of this stuff that we need to get rid of these blocks that could come in our prayer lives that we might see his will be done his kingdom come uh, in our lives and in our world can i pray as i finish